0: Why is it we humans get romanced by complexity when the answers can be found at a simple and practical level? This is the Simply Practically Human podcast, where the human manager, Mark Labask,
1: features experts who have a track record in humanising workplaces, using simplicity and practicality as their go-to approach. It's all about getting back to what it is to be human and watch workplaces thrive rather than just survive. In this episode of Simply Practically Human, Mark is joined by the founder and director of Friendly Diversity, Lauren Jauncey, who shares some background on her own story and passion for helping organisations embrace diversity and inclusion with simple and practical shifts in thinking.
0: Hi there, it's Mark Loboski here, and welcome to my new podcast series called Simply Practically Human. I really hope that you get to enjoy hearing from some of the best experts around the world when they talk about the practical and simple things they do to help to humanize their workplaces. It's really interesting, you know, I find that uh, these days there's so much talk about volatile and uncertainty and complex and all of these things. And uh, I'm just wondering why as human beings, we can't go back to what it is to be human, the simple and practical things like building connection and a strong sense of belonging. So when I thought about this podcast, I asked myself these three questions. Why this? Why now? And why me? So I just thought I'd share a little bit about that before we move into our first episode with the amazing Lauren Jauncey. So why this podcast, Simply Practically Human? I think we're dehumanising work at the moment and it's happening because we're looking for these complex fixes, these new fads and these shiny things that are going to make work better. And we've moved away from what it is to be human beings, and that is to build that connection and belonging that I spoke of before. So this is the time to do that, which takes me into the now. Why now? Well, what I think is that if you look at engagement, employee engagement, if you look at some of these key indicators of happiness and engagement at work, we haven't shifted the dial on those things for over 40 years. This is really from coming from some of the Gallup research. So this is the time right now to look to bring things back to using some of the simple and practical things we've done as human beings to build better engagement and ultimately better connection and belonging. And then why me? I have a passion to make every human belong. And one of the ways that we can do that is we get back, again, as I said, to the simple and practical things, having conversations with other human beings that aren't always about work, treating humans as humans and not as outputs, And then looking at work in a few different ways. There's our technical work, which is really important, and then there's our human work. And what I'm looking to do here is bring people onto this podcast who are really going to be able to give you some amazing and simple and practical tools and tips that you can take back into the workplace, and you can do something with them. It's not time for the why now. It's time for the how. So this is what I've really thought about as I've started to construct my ideas around the Simply Practically Human podcast. I hope you enjoy it. Welcome listeners to the Simply Practically Human podcast. This is Mark LeBusque and today I'm delighted to be joined by Lauren Jauncey, the founder and director of Frankly Diversity. Hey Lauren, thanks for joining me.
1: Hey, Mark. It's uh, great to be here. Thanks
0: so much for having me. No Now, you're the first guest on this new podcast series, and in this series, we're really going to focus on trying to bring back the simple and practical things that you can do in the workplace. And what I'm looking for is to talk to experts all around the world about what are the things that they're doing to help their clients and help workplaces become more human. Now, Lauren, your background is in diversity and, and helping organisations in diversity in that inclusion space. And before we get into that, I reckon my listeners would be curious to know a little bit about your backstory and a little bit about you as as Lauren. So if you wouldn't mind sharing, that would be fantastic.
1: Yeah, sure, Mark. I currently live in the beautiful Hobart, Tasmania. So this is actually my home. I grew up in, in Tasmania before moving to Melbourne, where I started my career uh, at Coopers. And then I moved across to Australia Post and it was at Australia Post that I started working in the diversity and inclusion space. I always had a bit of a passion for diversity and inclusion, but when I started working in diversity and inclusion at Australia Post, I realised how important it was for organisations to be more connected to their people and to ensure that their people feel a sense of belonging. So I spent four or five years working in Melbourne. And then after we had our first child, we decided to move back to Tasmania to be closer to family. And to us, that felt like, you know, in your words, the the very human thing to do. As much as we loved Melbourne, we wanted to be back closer to our friends and family here. So fortunately, I was able to transfer with my job at Australia Post and was able to work in a national role from Tasmania, leading the diversity and inclusion business. And then after a few years working remotely, um, we then decided it was time for me to step outside of corporate and, and start my own consulting business in terms of working with clients around diversity and inclusion. Uh, so that's what I've been doing for the last 18 months. I now I have three daughters. Um, Miller's my oldest, eight, Frankie's six, and Lily is three. So you know, as the mum of three daughters, you know, in particular, gender diversity is such a passion of mine and, and really drives me to do the work that I do today.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. I'm curious if you would share with us, what's one of the the things you're most proud of, Lauren, that you achieved in your time at Australia Post in that space of diversity, and particularly in gender diversity, if you would share with the uh, listeners?
1: Oh, look, there's a couple of moments. One that certainly jumps into my mind straight away. I'm also quite a keen athlete. So I, I love sprinting. I've always been involved in track and field. And for your Australian listeners, most of them would probably be familiar with the Store Gift, which is a very famous race in Australia, a foot race, a sprinting race in Australia. And um, I went along to the Store Gift uh, probably for the first time about 10 or so years ago. And when I lined up at the start line, I realised that actually the prize pool for uh, the men's race was worth $60,000. The women's race wasn't quite 60,000. Um, do you have any idea how much it might have been, Mark?
0: Um, 20.
1: Uh, no, it was actually 6,000. So the men's race was worth 60, the women's race was worth six. Now, I kind of felt pretty strongly about this. It just seems so unfair that this would be the case. Um, and, you know, this, as I said, was only around 10 years ago. Um, now, interestingly, when I explored in a bit more detail, I remember complaining to my best buddy saying, Oh, Jax, this is ridiculous that the prize money is, is so um, out of whack. And she said, Well, who's the major sponsor of the store gift? And it just so happened that the major sponsor of the still gift was Australia Post back then. So, um, I then, um, you know, came back to work and really started digging around to find out, you know, what the go was here because, you know, from my perspective, I knew Australia Post were dedicated to diversity and inclusion and this just didn't align to that. So, look, it took a little while. Um, at that point in time, I was, I was a fair way down the uh, hierarchy at Australia Post and then actually ended up going off and having a baby. But when I came back, I got appointed into the head of diversity role, and I decided that the first challenge for me in this role was to to get this prize money piece sorted. So, you know, through some conversations with some of the most senior leaders in the organisation, we did make that change, and in fact, Australia Post pulled out of the headline sponsorship and just focused on sponsoring the the women's race so that it was the same as the men's. So I don't think Post uh, continue now, but the money is still even. And, you know, to me, to be able to go along a couple of years later and present the winning check to the winner of the, of the women's race was just such a really proud moment. And, you know, to know that I've had that impact and influence and to see all of the young women who are now striving and competing in that race um, is, is probably one of my proudest uh, achievements um, at post
0: That's a fantastic story. I just recall that's only a couple of weeks ago that the store gift was uh, run again. And and the young lady that won it being interviewed and talking about how that money was going to help her work her way through university. And, And, you know, I think that as a moment in your career to allow that change to happen or to push through to get that change to happen, I can understand why that would be such a proud thing. In the spirit of this whole idea of simply practically human, my question to you now is it seems pretty simple that we should be paying women the same amount as we're paying men. Or we if we're working at a human level, what do you think stopping us from doing that? What's your thoughts around that?
1: Well, there's a lot of factors at play. There's no doubt about that. But I think one of the major pieces that gets in the way is is bias, both unconscious and conscious bias. So, you know, we, we would expect that women and men should get paid the same. And, you know, you, you wouldn't find too many leaders who might put their hand up and say, oh, yeah, no, I pay men more than women deliberately. So really it comes down to some of these unconscious biases that exist within our workplaces And, you know, it might be just that the the way that roles are um, created or it might be the way that we offer um, salaries to women versus men can be different, but we come up with different excuses as to why the men's salary is worth more than the the woman's. So I think as leaders in organisations, we really need to make sure that we step back from some of these decisions and question ourselves and question our own biases as to why we are making particular decisions.
0: And I know, thank you for that. I know that in particularly in your consultancy business now, you are working a lot with organisations right across Australia around this whole idea of unconscious bias. I'm thinking now about the human element of being connected and feeling a strong sense of belonging. Could you share with our listeners, what is it about unconscious bias that's really preventing organisations, managers to be able to create this sense of connection and this sense of belonging?
1: Well, the first thing that I emphasize around unconscious bias is that we've all got it. You know, we all have it. It is, it is human to have bias. We actually, we need bias in order to survive as humans. Um, you know, that's the way that our brain categorizes information so that we can get through our daily lives. Now, the adverse effect of that is the fact that we categorize information to make quick decisions. Now, sometimes those categorizations, or often those categorizations, are based on stereotypes or, or biases that we've developed over time. Now, biases are created by all sorts of things, whether it's our upbringing, whether it's um, media, um, whether it's our schooling, whether it's our role models. So, you know, you can't avoid bias. So, when I work with organisations, one of the first things I, I say to them is, you know, if there's one thing I need you to walk away with today, that is acknowledge you're biased. We're all biased. And one of the stories I share is of my own bias, which, you know, I have many, but particularly with regards to gender diversity, I'm a a huge, you know, advocate for gender diversity, but I too have gender biases. The story I often share is when I was working for Australia Post, I was travelling a lot, um, getting on a plane every day, and there was one particular day I'd been in Melbourne and actually facilitating a women in leadership program. I got on the plane and I sat down and I put my seatbelt on And all of a sudden I heard the the pilot come over the loudspeaker to do their normal sort of spiel about what was happening and all of a sudden I had this sense of, I feel really unsafe. And, you know, I'll often say to people, well, why, why would I have felt that way? And, well, it was because it was a female's voice coming over that loudspeaker. So to me, and then I had this sense of, oh, my goodness, I'm sexist. That's a really unfortunate uh, attribute given I'm the head of diversity at Australia Post. But to me, once I was able to rationally process that information, I recognised that I had an unconscious bias which said to me pilots are men because every time I'd got on that plane I had heard a male's voice. So the moment I heard something different, the moment my brain processed that information, my alert bells went off and went, oh, is are you at risk? You know, is your safety at risk here? And and obviously, once I rationally thought about the information, I, I figured, well, this woman's probably had to go through a hell of a lot more than any of the male counterparts. I'm probably safer than I've ever been. But I guess it's just a, an example that I use to demonstrate that we are all we are all biased. 100. percent All of us are biased.
0: I think it's a, a fantastic point and and a really a good takeout for our listeners on here. I um doing some similar work around this human piece. I talk. To people about the fact that we can't get you to stop making judgment and be biased because we're we're hardwired, as you said, we are hardwired to do this. But we can think of two things. And one is, as you did there, is you became aware in a moment. So creating awareness of your bias. And then the second A word I use is adjustment, is how do we adjust at that point in time to say, is this story that I'm carrying useful for me or useful for others? And We're not trying to get people to to move away from bias because we need bias in order to be a survival species. But awareness and adjustment are are absolutely critical here.
1: And then I would say probably the third step to that, Mark, that I talk about as well is then creating a culture within your team or your organisation where you can call out biases in others, you know, in a respectful manner. I mean, that's where I think you get true inclusion uh, and belonging is where You know, if you and I are working together, I can say, hey, Mark, you know what, is that really, you know, the right decision here or some of your biases coming into play? Can we explore that? Like That's where you're going to get, I believe, you know, really human and inclusive cultures.
0: Fantastic. So let's move into that now. And, And again, under the guise of the name of this podcast, which is Simply Practically Human, I'd love you to share with the listeners Just three practical tips around this space that you're an expert in, this space of bias and inclusion and diversity that will help them to either humanise their approach to this or humanise their workplace. So what are three things that uh, you can leave the listeners with?
1: Yeah, so when I think about inclusion, it really is about people feeling like they can rock up to work or wherever it might be and bring their true potential you know they can be themselves they can be 100% honest with who they are what they believe in and can do that in a respectful way so you know my three very simple tips I think for your for your listeners and three tips that I try and you know implement daily is first and foremost you know be kind to yourself I think we have lost a lot of connection, human connections, as a result of social media and and all these sorts of technological advances that we have now. But what that means is we're losing human connections and, and we can see that in the mental health statistics that just keeps seemingly keep going up and up and up and up. So you know, I think being kind to yourself and giving yourself permission to make time for those connections, I think is really important. So be kind to yourself. Second, be kind to others. Uh, you know, just simple acts of kindness to others are so powerful in terms of our own well-being, and for helping to create deeper connections and being more human. And they they can be just really, really simple things. Yesterday, I called an Uber from my client to the airport, and you know, I had this lovely fellow who shared with me his story about being an asylum seeker. You know, coming to Australia. And, you know, for me, just taking that time to listen, asking him lots of questions, I could see that was really helpful for him and, and uh, at the very least it helped him with his English, which he was really happy about. So I think just being kind to others, you know. We don't have to rush everywhere. We don't have to beep at that person who pulls out in front of us. Just Just be kind, you know. Life is short, just be kind to others. And then thirdly, and this is a a much newer one for me, but being kind to our, our world that we live in. I've never had a huge focus on environment, I must say, but I feel like over time and in the last few years and particularly, I guess, having three kids, We live in such a huge consumption society and I think, you know, we need to strip that away and focus on the things that are just 100% important to us and we need to make sure that we are striving to leave this world a better place than what it was when we came into it. So being really conscious of, of our environment and how we can help save our environment and ensure that we're leaving this world in a great place for our future, you know, grandchildren and so forth is also a critical one. So it's all around kindness for me, Mark.
0: Fantastic. And again, like this, the simplicity and practicality of that is, uh, and and you said it before, and, and I think our listeners will relate to this, is this busyness that we've created. And busyness starts to fuel complexity. We've got to find What's the new fad? What's the new way of doing things? And, and, you know, from what I've heard you talk about now, stripping it back to a word, which is kindness, will help us to make people feel like they're included, which will drive connection and ultimately a stronger sense of belonging. So thank you very much for sharing those simple and practical tips. I am sure given what you've just talked about now, our listeners will be very, very keen to know more about you and where they can find you. So where can people find you, Lauren? Where's Where's the best place to go to, to find more about you and what you do?
1: Look, I think the best first place would be my website. Um, so franklydiversity.com. Um, you can find out, you know, the sort of work I'm engaged in. Uh, you can find all my contact details there. I do have a social media presence. I must admit, I'm not that active on it. I have this kind of love-hate relationship with social media, as many of us do. But you can certainly search for me on Instagram and Facebook on, frankly, diversity as well. But I'd say your best point of contact is my website and then shoot me an email. I promise to get back to you because, you know, I think the work that we do around diversity and inclusion and and your work, Mark, around being human is so, so important. So, um, yeah, I'd love to have a conversation with any of your listeners who are interested in this space.
0: Fantastic. Let me leave you with this last question. The opposite of simplicity is complexity. Um, Just a few words for the listeners. Why have we made work and this relationship stuff and the human stuff, why have we chosen to make it more complex? What what are your thoughts on that?
1: Mm. That's a really really good question, Mark. I, I think relating back to what I talked about before in terms of how in every moment we, we seem to be, have this ability and accessibility now to technology and to information. But there's just, there feels like there's such an urgency about everything. So for example, you know, if we have a question that we want to solve for, you know, immediately we pull out our phones and we Google stuff. So, you know, whereas, you know, back in the day, which wasn't that long ago, I don't think I'm that old, um, you know, we would, we would actually have to, go to a library and research it or uh, find the right person to help us with the answer. So I feel like the pace of our life and this urgency to gain information has really kind of provided this catalyst for us to live in this complex, busy world. But then when you strip it all back and you think about, well, what's really important here, even to the point of when we're in our last living moments, what are the things that we're going to be thinking about and be thankful for, it's not going to be that busyness. It's going to be those moments of connection and belonging. Um, So I think we've got to continue to encourage ourselves and the people that we work with to remember that, that it is those simple human things that are most important.
0: Thank you so much, Lauren. Taking things back to the simple, I think, is, is a big driver behind why I'm getting people like you to share your expertise with the world. So can I say thank you very much for being the first guest on this new podcast? And I really hope that people will listen to this and also get in touch with you to understand more about the great work you're doing. Thank you very much.
1: Oh, thanks, Mark. And keep doing your great work too. Keep being human.
0: Thank you. Hey, it's Mark here again. Thanks for listening to the Simply Practically Human podcast. And a real big thanks to Lauren Jauncey from Frankly Diversity for appearing on this episode. I think she gave us some very, very simple and practical tips to create a more human environment in the workplace. If you liked it, want it rated five stars. And if you loved it, share it with your friends. There's more episodes to come. Until then, keep on being human.